Content warning. Please be aware that this episode of Angel, as well as our discussion on it, involve the topics of stalking and sexual assault. Thank you. Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. One by one, we will be spoiler-free of details from future episodes, but we have full spoilers on for episodes that we have previously talked about from both series. Uh, two weeks into growing my winter beard, I'm Jason. <laughs> and uh, furiously trying to get those checks for my clients, I'm Harrison. Jason. Yeah, mine wasn't related. <laughs> mine wasn't related to the episode. I just wanted to update you all on my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jason, tell me, what episode are we watching today? We are watching Angel, Season 1, Episode 4, I Fall to Pieces. Not to be confused with a pop song of the same name. (laughs) This is the one where a guy is literally able to just take himself apart so that he can be a creepy fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, gross. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I I Fall to Pieces, the episode, not the song, was written by David Greenwalt. Uh, David Greenwald wrote the teleplay, uh, and he and Joss Whedon wrote, uh, came up with the story. And the episode was directed by Vern Gillum, uh, and originally aired on, uh, Jason's 10th birthday, part two, October 26th, 1999. (laughs) Um, and I'm looking up this Vern Gillum fella, because I was like, this name You do realize... you, you do realize that that means that this episode is old enough to drink now. Oh, good for it. Um, <laughs> uh, Legally drink. I was curious because I was like, Vern Gillum, I think that's a name we've not heard before. And I am correct. He uh, will go on to direct uh, one season four episode and uh, two season five episodes of Angel, including the episode Harm's Way. Uh, no spoilers, but it is one of my favorites. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, let's get that intro music. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, Jason, what are you drinking this week? I am drinking a very Catholic whiskey. I've got me some Jameson right here. Ah, I was like Catholic in what way? But yes, that well, that was a um, that's like a slight reference to The Wire. There's oh, like yeah. an episode where uh, yeah, there's an episode where McMul- McNulty goes to this like uh, place that's an that's an open bar, and he asks for uh, you got any whiskey? He asks like the bartender like you got any whiskey? And I can't remember what brand the guy says, but uh, yeah, he just like throws out a whiskey and he's like he's like that's protestant whiskey (laughs) because mcnulty is super irish yep not as irish as doyle but very irish (laughs) when you said mcnulty at first for like a split second i thought you said mcmuffin and i was like i don't think you know it's been a while since i've watched the wire and you know it's a it's a dense show with a lot of characters so i don't remember all the details but I don't think anyone's name was McMuffin. <laughs> hey, there is a guy named Bubbles, and there is a whole... That's true. The, the, there is a whole monologue 
that is actually one of like my favorite parts of the show about McNuggets. And mm-hmm. yeah, so not completely. Which leads into a monologue about chess. I was gonna say like I don't mean to sound like every single white person you know, but check out The Wire if you haven't already. Um, I remember when I first watched The Wire, uh, that chess monologue, which is a great monologue. It's like it's just wonderfully written and beautifully performed. But I remember thinking like, has a game of chess ever appeared in a film? or like a television show or what a work of fiction of any kind and it not been a metaphor like i feel like anytime oh, no. chess shows up it's like uh, oh no, if, no if, if you don't want metaphors you like play checkers or some shit like that <laughs> um anyway well i am drinking uh a glass a small glass of red wine we're recording uh earlier in the day and i haven't eaten yet so i decided to ease myself in <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm gonna fall asleep right after we do this, so I have actually got a fairly large glass of Jameson. <laughs> it'll go. Um, it'll t- be time for Jason to go night night. Yeah, um, yeah. Jason's day is ending, and my day is beginning. Um, although I've been up for a couple hours. Um, all right. Uh, for the toast, um, here's a toast to getting paid uh money's been on my mind recently because of uh unemployment uh so i felt cordelia in this episode (laughs) i i i i was on her side in every single one of those money conversations with angel so it was important shit here's to getting paid (laughs) yeah getting paid getting paid and getting laid Sometimes in a different order. <laughs> okay, so I have a um, I have a somewhat hot take on this episode. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, and please let me finish because it's not going to sound like a hot take at first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, so, the story of this episode is very stupid. I'm mm-hmm. going to throw that out there right now. It is very stupid, but the direction and the acting of this episode almost make up for it. Like this, mm-hmm. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the episode because I enjoyed just how the story played out. I mean, honestly, the, there were times that, like the plot got in the way of it being a really good episode. But um, I feel like we're getting much better performances than this episode deserves. But I I walked away from this enjoying it, like legitimately enjoying it. Not even not even just like oh it was like so ridiculous and stupid. It was it was like in that kind of enjoyable. This is like I I feel like had there been a not so dumb premise. This could have been like a really, really good episode of Angel. I I agree with you. I I think I I definitely came out of it uh, enjoying it more than I expected to going in. I, I after we recorded our Fear Itself epi- episode uh, after we finished recording and Jason and I were like talking, I was like I mentioned to him I was like I'm just like not looking forward to 
this next episode we have to do. <laughs> I don't like this episode. And I did come I did come away uh slightly yeah, slightly more like it, enjoying it more than I thought I was going to, but um for the reasons you said. Um but uh yeah, have you seen um did you see the remake of The Invisible Man from earlier this year? I did. Yeah, I watched that um I watched that, like, uh, around Halloween. Okay. The whole time I was watching this episode, I was going, like... Like, I was th- I was comparing it to that movie. Because it has a lot of similar... They have a lot of similarities in their in their DNA. Um, and yeah. then also, at one point, I very inappropriately made the connection between this and Mrs. Potato Head in Toy Story 3. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about when she has the yeah. missing eye? <laughs> When he was yeah. spying on her with his missing eye, my brain just went, this is Potato Head! Which is <laughs> not appropriate for the situation that was happening, but it's what my it's brain not, did. But and I, mean, I, I won't apologize for my brain. It's not, but I mean, when you... When you, like, set up a premise like that, I mean, you got you gotta be ready for the ridicule. But, yeah. um, like I said, uh, I think the director of this episode gives it his all mm-hmm. and uh it's very much uh along the lines of uh i just started watching season five of Shit's creek and uh it's at the very beginning when um when uh moira is obsessed with like trying to make the the uh the hill mm-hmm. the crows have eyes three the crowing <laughs> he's like we need to like put all of our effort into this and make it a piece of art and <laughs> got some, got some strong croning vibes from this episode. <laughs> yep. Uh, did you almost say the Hills have eyes? You know, I think I almost said about four or five different horror movies when I was trying to come up with that schlocky title that they came up with. <laughs> Which, in fairness, is about four different horror movie titles <laughs> thrown into yeah. a blender. <laughs> uh, yeah, so do we want to, like, jump in? Just go ahead and jump into this episode? Let's jump in like we have detachable limbs. <laughs> Don't know how that works. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. No, no, you you take it because uh, my computer's being slow. Okay. And... <laughs> I was about to say, do we trust me to take it? Um, but um, I do, I do. So the episode begins uh, like many of the series. So like B- Buffy begins in a cemetery or the bronze, and Angel begins in an alleyway or the Angel Investigations offices. Um, and this week, it's the Angel Investigation. That was offices. that was cheap. <laughs> uh, I mean, am I? Is it wrong? No, it's not. <laughs> um, and uh, we get a scene with Cordy and Doyle, um, discussing how they need to actually get uh, paying clients. You know. For their business. Yeah. And um, they are going to... uh, They're going to talk to Angel about it. Um, They And they're kind of discussing their strategy of, like, do we go in for the attack? Do we let him have his coffee? Angel drinks coffee now, apparently. (laughs) And apparently the coffee is so bad that even, like, 
I'm pretty sure they've established that vampires can't really taste much of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, apparently this coffee is so bad that even Angel with his lack of taste buds uh, can tell that it's awful. This uh, this running joke throughout the episode of the coffee being terrible uh, killed me. I, I, I don't <laughs> like coffee. I don't, I don't like, even if you give me like... Uh, good quote-unquote coffee it it tastes like devil butt juice to me (laughs) but uh i just i just don't like coffee and so uh, just this whole episode i was like finally people saying what like i've been saying devil butt juice is devil butt juice is the name of my cranberries cover band (laughs) um and like I, I know that the joke is that Cordelia is bad at making coffee, but in my mind, I was like, no, coffee's bad. <laughs> yeah, you know where coffee probably isn't bad? Um, at the uh, at the place where Melissa works. Mm-hmm. Doyle starts to have a vision, and he sees a woman named Melissa Burns, and um, I believe he also gets her place of work, which I do not remember off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember either. Generic office. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Cordelia finds the address and uh, Angel uh, immediately sets off. Uh, and I love this because right before they were, um, right before Angel came out, Doyle was saying how, oh, you know, Angel likes being the hero. I mean, he likes walking away with the very slowly with his long jacket fluttering in the breeze. <laughs> And, and Cordelia's like, do I need to give you a moment? And I love that when, when Angel's walking away, it, they do like, they on purpose do a slow motion shot of him walking out and his yes. coat billing behind him. And it was like, okay, maybe I'm a little attracted. And yeah. you know what, Doyle, same. The Bore- <laughs> Listen, the Boreanas cannot be contained. Uh, I don't care what your sexuality is. Uh, he, 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 you, you know, you're, you have your regular sexuality, be that gay or bi or straight or whatever. And then you have, uh, Boreanas. And it, it's <laughs> then, just then you have the attraction thing. to David Boreanas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, like, maybe everybody's attracted things? to David Boreanas. They, they are. Uh, everyone is. <laughs> this is this. Listen, I'm, I am, I am making a blanket statement for the entire world. Everyone is attracted to David Boreanaz. Um, my favorite part in this, uh, this whole opening scene is when they, um, uh, they're broaching the subject of money, and uh, Angel is understandably, you know, I said I'm on Cordelia's side, and I am, but I understand why Angel feels weird about this, and he even says like. I don't feel comfortable asking people for money. And Cordelia just goes, well, get over it. Well, no, uh, specifically, he doesn't feel comfortable asking people who are in trouble for money. Yes. Like that, that's, yeah. that's the important part right there. And yeah, it's like, I mean, imagine if, uh, yeah, imagine if like, like imagine if a cop like, uh, saved you from, uh, like, saved you from a robber or something like that and mm-hmm. like would um, and then charged you for and then they yeah and then they're like oh hey by the way that's 20 bucks mm-hmm. and you're like 
I actually Damn. had like almost the exact same metaphor in my brain, except in my head it was a firefighter. Um, yeah, but 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 on the other side of that metaphor is the firefighter and the police officer are they're not charging you, but they are still taking home a paycheck. Yeah, um, yeah, they're still getting paid through so, uh, through taxes. Um, yeah, and I but I yeah. do think the show will fi- finds a good balance of uh, like the people that. The vi- they're helping via the visions or just that they come across they're not necessarily going to ask for money but you know anyone who walks through the door wanting to hire them is that's you know i'd say fair game well i i actually really love and we'll talk about this more later i really love what doyle brings up um about why it's why it's the right thing to do overall to like ask for them ask for the payment um mm-hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that later. But first, I want to go to uh, something that we don't see too often in any Joss Whedon-verse show, and that in any Buffy-verse show, and that is an office where people like each other. Right. And, and like, are genuinely nice to each other and, you know, are happy. <laughs> like, honestly, if there was a spinoff of Angel, I'd want it to be this. This is... This is- <laughs> There's a brief moment where they're like, where Penny comes in, and, and if for a second you're like, uh oh, is Penny trouble? And then no, she's like, oh yay, you got four out of the five letters of my name right. <laughs> like, well, we thought you should be Penji from now on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this, like I, this sequence, yeah, is it just kind of took me by surprise. It took me by surprise. I'm just like, wow, this is a really nice situation because typically when we see our. Um, are victims of uh, of whatever supernatural crisis is happening in an episode, they're typically, like, starting off not in a good state. They're like, oh, no, I'm so scared or freaked out or something. But no, like, Melissa is, like, legitimately having a really good time with her coworkers. I love it. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's sweet. And it, it's a good introduction to Melissa. She, um, you know, it's funny. I going into this episode i i had this um i i always in my mind think of this like my brain does this thing where i go this is the one where that creepy doctor doctor uh stalks amy acker and then i go well that's definitely not correct (laughs) Um, and i'll just leave that at that but um but as I was watching at this time, I was like, you know, that is, I was, I was really doing a disservice to uh, Melissa as a character, at character, and to um, Tushka Bergen, uh, the actress who plays her, because she is just, I want so badly for Melissa to be okay, yes. which is, you know, a good sign. Like in your episode, when you are legitimately invested. Um, you know, in the way we weren't last uh, in uh, in the dark with um, I've already forgotten her name. But you know, it reminds me um, of the girl at in the first episode, in the pilot episode, City of. Um, so, you know, their percentage is somewhat pretty good right now on getting, yeah, the helpless people that Angel's trying to help, getting them to for us to cheer for them as well, and not just like you know, yeah, Angel, I guess Angel can save them. Um, I also just want to point out uh, a first uh, for the series. Uh, Melissa is a brunette. Oh, oh, oh. 
that so yeah. you know that Angel's not attracted to her. <laughs> uh, he's like, he's like, I'll start to branch out to uh, non-blonde women. Uh, they still must be white women, but um, but we'll 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 save a brunette just to see how it feels. But uh, yeah, so Melissa and her coworker, uh, they they give their supervisor a cake, and uh, and yeah, so it seems like a really good time. But uh, then these this big big bouquet of flowers is brought, and it's for Melissa. Melissa opens up the card, and it says, uh, uh, "I believe like my undying love or my eternal love, Ronald." Yeah, something gross. <laughs> um, and she's obviously very, uh, she's obviously very shook, uh, shaken by this. And, um, yeah, so she actually runs into the bathroom and takes some pills. Uh, mm-hmm. which, I mean, we later find out are tranquilizers. Um, but yeah, yeah. But, um, fortunately, like, her supervisor is totally cool with watching her phones and stuff while she tries to, uh, escape to the parking garage because she is very disturbed by what she just got Mm -hmm. she's she is so distressed by this that uh she's relieved when angel uh emerges from the shadows even though she has no idea who she is like that is how rattled this uh this has made her that she's basically grateful that once again this strange man emerging from the shadows isn't the isn't the man she was afraid was going to be like you know that's that's a bad situation to be in where that's where your headspace is is like oh thank god yeah i don't think anything about melissa's situation is good (laughs) uh gosh um yeah no no except her work life yeah like uh, it must be nice to have such a nice work life. You know, that's, that's, that, I shouldn't say it like that. I have a really good work life. Um, uh, but yeah, and Angel, of course, is like fumbling around trying to be like, oh, well, you know, I, um, I, I help people. I, uh, do, do, I do stuff that the cops don't. And, um, but she does take the card. She does take the card with the, uh, mm-hmm. raccoon on yeah. it. <laughs> He does a slightly better job. He's still fumbly with his approach, but he does a slightly better job than he has in the last couple episodes. Well, you have to think, like, um, I mean, he is, he's still making that transition from being like, oh, mm-hmm. I just show up and help people to like, oh, now I have to actively engage it. I mean, that's what, that's what Doyle yeah. has been all about. Like, that's, that's what's been the focus of the series so far. I think, too, uh, he makes, w- one thing he specifically says uh, that helps his case. I don't, it's, you know, he doesn't really do it on purpose is basically he's, I mean, he says it on purpose, but, um, he says like, oh, I have a friend on the police force. Um, he does. And, um, we learn later that, uh, Melissa had filed a police report against this guy. So like lucky for Angel, I'm sure Melissa probably connected those dots of like, oh, someone on the police force who took, maybe took pity on me or whatever after that didn't work out has sent this guy to help me um uh, you know the episode doesn't actually go into that but it makes sense that that's why melissa is pretty easy to trust angel uh pretty quickly um 
so Melissa is trying to get some money at uh, the ATM, but says that her pin is incorrect. And then this guy shows up mm. and says, oh, yeah, you know, I changed it for you. Because, um, I mean, your birthday, really? And, you're, and this is Dr. Ronald Meltzer. This is the guy that she is very much afraid of. And, I mean, you just look at him and he looks creepy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this, yeah, it is super, super uncomfortable. And I just want to say, isn't Meltzer just, like, kind of a really bad, evil doctor sort like of a, last name? Like a Nazi name? Like... That's, I wouldn't go that far. I um, Well, it's the type of name that if I were writing a story where the bad guy is a Nazi scientist or something, that's the kind of name I'd be giving that character. Meltzer just, it sounds a little evil. And I apologize yeah. if there's anybody <laughs> listening to this podcast whose last name is Meltzer. The Meltzer we, family just was like, fuck you guys. Yeah. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. <laughs> Mrs. Ms. Meltzer, whoever's out there. <laughs> Dr. Um, Meltzer, if, if you're out there. Um, uh, Dr. Meltzer is played by one Andy Umberger, who you won't recognize from his appearances, uh, or his appearance on Buffy, where he is he plays DeHoffrin. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, he's also in an episode of Firefly as well. He's... Uh, He's one of the few actors. I can't remember what character he plays, but he's uh, uh, he's one of the those few actors who's 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 got the trifecta of uh, there are a Angel couple. Buffy Firefly. Uh, yeah. Um, the uh, yeah. So basically, what this guy is doing is he's he's acting like they're married or they've been together for a while and. Melissa's already like, uh, we went on one date back one off, man. date. And, and he's even, already and calling her later. Yeah. We learned later. It he, was barely even a date. She felt bad for him or she, yeah. you know, she was grateful for him she, for saving like her, her eyesight. So she went, they got one yeah, she drink. She threw him a bone. Yeah. Yeah. She threw oh. him a bone. And, um, and unfortunately, um, yeah, he's like, he's calling her honey. He's, um, yeah, he changed her pin number, which he knew was her birthday, and and yeah, so this creeps her out. It, oh my god! And when he goes in for like that kiss, oh, like like Melissa, run away. Uh, the Miss um, Burgeon's reaction because she doesn't say anything. It's just, it's just it's a very visceral reaction though, or like. Her whole body, like, stiffens, but also, like, um, retracts from him. Uh, it was so, it was so good. And it was so, um, uh, almost, almost a little triggering. Um, I had, um, uh, I had an experience. I'm gonna get real personal right now. Um, but, uh, when I was about 18, I had an experience, uh, with a, uh, older gentleman, uh, who's, probably twice my age um who i was in a uh, i was in a show with who long story short was extremely inappropriate with me and um and yeah it was, it was like it was shit like that those like 
you know, that that kiss or that attempted kiss to me was more frightening than anything to do with detachable hands or body parts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that that holds true in this episode throughout. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that somebody thinks they have that access to you mm-hmm. and they think they have that liberty to just do that and you're like, ugh, gross. Yep. Uh, this guy this guy is a total simp, which yep. is a term that I learned just recently. I <laughs> never really heard it before last week. And actually it was, uh, I had to do the old man thing and look it up online. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I also just wanted to um, mention too that not only did they only go on one quasi date um he mentions that he changed the uh pin to the date that they met uh 3599 so march 5th 1999 and presumably this episode is set around the same time that it's airing of late october so this date presumably happened back in march like five months ago yeah and he is still or or no like seven months ago (laughs) yeah yeah and he is still like um that's a that's a really good detail that they put in there that's not like not like not highlighted or anything but it's um it's a good detail to give you a timeline of how long this has been going on um and that's terrifying that's so upsetting so that leads to melissa uh going right to angel investigations and uh, she tells them, like, basically that this guy is a neurosurgeon who um, is able to, like, perform incredible surgeries that uh, usually, like, aren't, don't seem to be possible. Mm-hmm. And um, he was able to take out an infective nerve from behind her eye. And uh, so, yeah, and this, uh, oh, yeah, Buffy Wiki. He has also been stalking her for nearly seven months, ever since she allowed him to take her out once because she felt obligated to thank him. Um, But, yeah, but... You know what you don't feel, you don't, no one should ever feel obligated to do for a doctor is go on a date with them. It's, it's his job. That was his job to, to, to do that surgery she is not obligated to do anything except at the end of the surgery when she's leaving the hospital say thank you for saving my vision that's it that's her only obligation and even yeah, that's, that's why they do it pretty low priority as far as <laughs> obligations go yeah oh, okay. um, sorry <laughs> but yeah um and Meltzer uh or Melissa does say that sometimes she was able to watch her um when even when like he's not around fucking creepy man and you know this is um this lends itself to what i think is good about the episode i think this very successfully sets up a really creepy like you said invisible man um i think more along the lines of like sleeping with the enemy Mm. um like a lot of that like a lot of that vibe of just like oh there's this guy who is um who is just obsessed with me and very very dangerous uh and that yeah that that makes discomfort yeah i wish i you know i understand that this is a supernatural show um uh, we were talking about that subplot in in the dark where we 
didn't have any supernatural elements and that felt a little weird. So like I don't mind the supernatural element of uh of Meltzer. I just wish the episode had done a little bit better job of focusing on uh not it, it, to me the episode seems like it's really wanting to be like look how creepy it is that he can detach his limbs like that's the creepy part um and yeah. it's a little less it's not completely unfocused on it but it's not quite as focused on uh how disturbing his behavior at all is um i i wish it had delved just a little more into that side of it um yeah um however uh when um when angel says that they are going to uh that they are going to help her out um this leads to that conversation that i was talking about mm-hmm. before about uh doyle um like obviously cordelia's like hey you need to like charge her and stuff like that and um and this is when doyle says like no this is the right thing to do um because you swoop in as a hero and then people just feel this obligation to you very similar mm-hmm. to like how uh melissa feels the obligation to Meltzer, um which led to this whole mess yeah uh but and he says like if you make pe- if you make people pay then they feel like you're compensated mm-hmm. and they can get on with their lives and they can like not be reliant on you um and yeah i think that was cordelia has like just been like oh we need money we need money we Mm -hmm. need money and doyle finally puts it into terms that angel can understand yeah that angel can understand and i honestly think is very um very well Mm -hmm. said uh even cordelia Um, is uh so impressed she drops an extremely unfortunate yeah i was about to say do we do we want to do we want to address that i feel like we should i mean it was 1999 that word was so popular and listen yeah i was guilty of it you know oh me Um, too and so you know it's important that we and it, I feel like we, I feel like we do this all the time. We recognize yeah. that this is a show that was made in a certain period of time, and certain things were considered more or less, quote unquote, acceptable. Um, and mm-hmm. but also, we are viewing this from a lens of uh, nearly uh, tw- uh, twenty-one years later, um, and so you know, we you, we can reconcile both of these things. What's very disappointing about this in particular is this line is very funny. And any other word, any other word that she could have used, uh, in, yeah, because you look like an idiot. Word. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, she could have said, You look like an idiot, you look like a moron, you could anything like that. Any other word, and that line, because. Uh, it, it, because that's it. You're a lot smarter than you look. And he looks kind of like, oh. And then she's like, but of course, you look like a... So yeah, any other word. And that's funny. But this this one particular word, and it it took me right out of it. And I knew that was coming at some point during this like early span of episodes. And we, we got to the scene and I was like, yep, this is it. This is when she's going to say that line. Um, so uh, I think... I, yeah, I, I completely forgot. I forgot about it. I mean, but then again, this is my first time seeing this episode since I did my first Buffy Angel watch through. 
And like I forgot about this episode because I, I think like the supernatural parts of it make it a little forgettable. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I'm sure when I first uh, watched this episode ten years ago, that line probably came and went, and I probably didn't give it a second thought. Like you know, um, so I that's all I have to say about that is it's unfortunate, yeah. but it's it's there. Yeah, and um, uh, I, I I remember somebody about this, and uh, I may have even mentioned this on the show before, uh, but it's. It wasn't, it wasn't, it's not like they were specifically trying to make fun of people uh, like that. It's just that that is just an accepted word. It's like, it's kind of like, um, mm-hmm. like I remember growing up in grade school and unfortunately I was guilty of saying this mm-hmm. because everybody said this, but like a lot of people use gay as like a stand in for just, oh, that's stupid or whatever and yeah it's i did too like seriously it was just it was the parlance of the time yeah um and you know looking back it's so cringy but yeah and i i like honestly yeah i don't think it's meant to it's not it didn't come from a place of like oh let's make fun of mentally handicapped people however you can't use that word and not have yeah. that connotation. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Regardless, and it's this is similar to our discussion we had in In the Dark. Regardless of what your intention is, yeah, um, it is still hurtful to people. So yes, yes, yes. Um, Do better, Cordy. <laughs> she will. And writers from twenty years ago. <laughs> 21 <laughs> 21 <laughs> um but yeah uh angel does go to kate and um he's asking Hi, about kate. melissa and there is there's this moment where um she's like oh judging by how uh how nervous you look you're either uh here to ask me about something or here to ask me out on a date and uh and I'm like, geez, you are thirsting hard for angel <laughs> but then again who isn't <laughs> i as we have already discovered, literally no one. We're gonna get so many people being like, "I have never found David Borean as attractive once in my life." Well, like, they're fucking liars. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that'll be my response. <laughs> You're a fucking liar. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, and Kate does reveal that. Uh, Oh, there was a report filed, but the Meltzer's lawyers, who are with Wolfram and Hart, which I believe is the first time we've had them, which I believe is the first time we've had them drop since the pilot, correct? It is. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we Um, have not not heard from them since. Or heard about them, yeah. Because we don't really see them. Um, And yeah, so they basically were so, so so good at being good lawyers and terrible people that uh, they were able to... um, put a restraining order against Melissa. And yeah. Um, but then I like, would like to ask any listeners who know anything about legality. Dan Cannon, um, if you're listening to this, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think he is, but we should get him to listen to it. <laughs> I want to know how it works. If you take out a restraining order against someone else 
But then you continue to like go and interact with this person. Does that like, does that cancel out the restraining order? Like, I feel like if you've taken out a restraining order against someone and then you go to their house, then like to me, I, I think that that would be like, that would make the restraining order null and void. I don't know. I don't know anything about the subject. Anyone who does, who is listening, please let me know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then um, Kate goes into this um, really a uh, really good kind mm-hmm. of explanation, and I feel like we've had we've had um, references to this, uh, or it's been subtly said throughout Buffy and now Angel. But um, I feel that uh, this is kind of the first time that somebody's just flat out said how it feels to be a victim of mm-hmm. um, more often than not a man um, who is stalking you. Um, how how women how anybody feels when they are um, when they are victimized by somebody who is. Um, stronger than they are um in in like a more powerful position that's what i want in a more powerful position than they are um yeah and you you feel powerless you feel like you have zero power and i mean we see when um when melissa is at home and like she's trying to get ready for bed and there's like a fucking eye just like kind of hanging there and yeah, like so, it yeah. reveals that he has these like superpowers, and he uses them to spy on her. And yeah, like mm-hmm. Kate flat out is explaining it that um, yeah, she has to fight back. Even if he goes to jail, she like she you know even if Melissa is physically safe from him, uh, the emotional and mental torture he has inflicted yeah. on her is going to continue to uh to harm her and um and i like the way that they do um tie this back a little bit to angel himself and his past actions as angelus um which i I like that uh angel the show is doing this um you know we got that a little bit on buffy but because angel was not the main character on buffy it was you know here and there Angel, the show, has this ability uh, and is taking advantage of it to really examine Angel's past, how it affects his present, um, and how it affects uh, how it affected his victims. And, and, you know, in this case, we're not seeing... That was his MO. Yeah. We're not seeing his victim in this case, but we are seeing... We are getting um, a proxy. You know, we could... You could almost say that melissa could be is a bit of a proxy for buffy in season two um and what angelus put her through um fuck right down to sending flowers and creepy notes there you go but uh yeah so and then there's like this nice scene it really didn't need to be in there but i like the idea of doyle just kind of like hanging around with and i also like the fact that melissa Mm -hmm. wants him to be there like i feel that i feel like an easy thing to do would be like oh she's uneasy like having a bodyguard or whatever it's like it's kind of a pain but i like that she feels safe 
that that she visi- that she vocally says, "I feel safe. I feel safer with you guys around." Yeah. We've had several. Uh, I say several. This is the fourth episode, but we've we've seen like people angels trying to help who are a little resistant to it. So I I do really like that we've got full Melissa services. Here. He's like no full like, services bodyguard. Fuck yeah, I'll take. <laughs> um, I I like to when um, Doyle's trying to like talk Angel up, and uh, he's like. He, we get a bit of a shout out to Tina as well as uh, other uh, victims we've seen. And he's like, because uh, he says like, oh, he's helped lots of girls. Uh, three out of four of them are still alive. And Melissa's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Doyle. <laughs> but yeah, um, while he's doing this, uh, Angel goes to uh, Meltzer's office. And... Um, He's he's doing the whole like um, just checking everything, um, and he does end up like uh, seeing a book that sticks out, and um, and so like he uh, he picks that up, sees that it's actually signed, mm-hmm. uh, and has like a little message written out to it, and so then um, of course, what as you know in scenes like these, as soon as you are looking at something closely from the person that you're trying to stay hidden from, that person will walk in and be like, what are you doing here? Um, laws of physics. And, uh, no, yeah, it's the law of entertainment, law of television, law of movies. Now, I will say, this is actually kind of one of my favorite scenes in the episode because, and all credit to David Boreanaz here, I love that there are so many ways that Angel could have handled this, but I think he handled it in the best way possible. He comes up with this crazy story and sells it. Yeah, I I really like. He really that. plays on this guy's ego. Yeah, like he says the exact things that will get this guy to be like, yeah, okay. And um, also, he's super smooth about putting the book into his coat and then handing him a business mm-hmm. card. Yeah, like that, that was that was that was, that was nice. Hot. Listen, i i hadn't <laughs> I hadn't thought about it until you said it, but that's my gay agenda this week. That, that okay, that yeah. smoothness. I I mm, mm. But yeah, um, and uh, yeah. So basically, Angel says like, oh. Um, my wife, um, she needs emergency eye surgery. Then he, like, holds up the picture of Melissa. Yeah, no, he's like, he's like, wouldn't you do anything for her? Wouldn't you die for her? Like, that, I don't know what it was about that scene. It was just so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, it's nice to see Angel. It's so easy for us to see a, a picture Angel as, you know, this badass, you know, he could have beat the shit out of this guy and that would have been fine. But seeing him think fast, be resourceful, under pressure in the situation and get what he needs um, is something we see less of. So it's exciting when we see that side come out. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. And honestly, like if this this is kind of like one of those things that really shows you just the tone that Angel's taking. Like, says, like, oh, it's a show about a detective agency. And this is, like, when he really just kind of feels like, you know, he's mm. being a detective and he's, like, pulling all cool fucking yep. shit, man. 
<laughs> That's how Batman um, would have handled yeah, it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and Cordelia is like interviewing uh, a doctor that has worked with uh, Meltzer. I also <laughs> really liked this scene for actually yeah, this very similar too. reasons. Cordelia is very clever about how she takes, you know, uh, does this interview with this colleague of, uh, who is uh, very specifically a woman, uh, is important to the scene. Uh, she is, um, the doctor she's interviewing is like, yeah, he's great. He does all of this miraculous things. We can't even figure out how he does it. It's wonderful. Oh my God. And then Cordelia kind of sees through this and goes, well, uh, in her typical Cordelia fashion, she basically goes, do you ever get the feeling that he's a big old creep? (laughs) um, But um, this doctor she's interviewing is like, "Um, what kind of piece are you writing? And Cordelia is very frank. She's like, she says, you know, it's not going to be very flattering. And then her coup de grace is... uh, I don't like the way he treats women. And this doctor immediately is like, look, you know, she does the, I'm going to look around, make sure no one's listening, but she's like, no, he's, he's, yeah, he's a creep. He, um, he's arrogant and, uh, he's like very selfish with his, uh, his techniques and his discoveries. Um, and doesn't share them these allegedly miraculous medical discoveries that he refuses to share with the medical community. So um, yeah, like all so three, all three Angel members, and and yeah, Royal. all three members of Angel Investigations are like really being top notch uh, at their jobs this this week. Yeah, um, good. Yeah, good on you guys. Um, so Angel finds out that um, this book, anything's possible. Um, that he that he stole um, is written by a, a close colleague of Dr. Meltzer. Okay, so do you are we going to be on the same page that this scene with this author is dumb and could have been completely excised from the episode? Because that's how I feel. Like the whole scene just kind of feels awkward, and it like it goes into the whole like that classic trope of oh, the human brain only uses ten to twenty percent of its capacity. So like what happens if you use the other 80% and yeah, it's just like, Oh, and he's able to do psychic surgery. It's Um, all so unnecessary. It's, I I don't understand why the episode feels the need to find some sort of explanation for all of this. Uh, We've been doing this for, you know, three seasons over on Buffy this guy has the ability to detach his limbs. He has, uh, he you know he he's magic. It's magic. I don't I don't need this. You know, yeah. This seems very just kind of forced in, and this is honestly like the main reason. Like the this is the main reason. Like the whole psychic surgery thing that um, that makes me not hold this episode in highest in as high yeah. esteem as I should. It it adds uh, nothing. It adds nothing. Yeah, and um, so we go back to uh, we go back to Melissa's room, and uh, and Meltzer's like standing outside of her apartment building, and uh, and like Mo- Melissa's sleeping, and this um, this cop pulls up, and he sees uh, 
He sees Meltzer there, mm-hmm. and um, I believe this is like, one Let of me the s- cops that um, Kate, Kate put set to like to watch yeah. out for her. Yeah, but like he he asked Meltzer to show him his hands, and then he pulls his gun on him. So that was like, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that. Like that was um that was some really quick quick action by the cop. Of course, then um Meltzer pulls out nubs of hands. Um, because, uh, his hands are actually in Melissa's apartment. And this cop immediately is like, oh, you don't have hands? Then you definitely couldn't be stalking this woman because yeah, apparently yeah, those, are... those are mutually exclusive. Like, what the fuck? Apparently <laughs> stalkers only, o- stalkers only have hands. Yeah. There are no handless stalkers. Because that's, that really bugs me because I was like, Assuming that this is one of the cops that Kate had gotten assigned to watch out for Melissa, he knows that there is a man stalking her. And he confronts this man for being outside of her house, clearly looking at it. So, like, did Kate just go, oh, and he definitely has hands, so if you see a man who doesn't, it's not him. What the fuck? Like, that makes no sense. And I also think they're trying to, there's like a pun here where he's like, hands up, and then the guy doesn't have hands. And then he's like, oh, so sorry, sir. It's like, what the fuck is that? Weird. I... <sighs> sorry. It, th- that just made no sense to me. I, I'm i sorry. This is. I'm glad this guy gets strangled to death. Uh, <laughs> he's stupid, and he deserves he it. Does hear, um, he does hear screams uh, coming from Melissa's room, because um, those hands are... Ugh, I, I, you know what? You know oh, what? Let's, yeah. Let's leave it at that. Those hands, yeah, on. those hands are moving somewhere that they shouldn't be. Um, uh, the cop comes in and um, at first he thinks Melissa's kind of crazy because he thinks like, oh, are you just having a bad dream or whatever? Right? And, Fuck this yeah, guy. And, um, <laughs> well, in his defense, he does like look through the apartment and not see anything. Um, now I'm not. But that's after he. Yeah, it like, is after he says. Are that. you just having a bad dream, or is there actually someone? It is here? after he I, says that. I feel like. Yeah, she's in shock. There's so a... don't say stuff like that when she's in shock. But then, like, of course, the what? um the hands show up and uh and strangle the cop. So bye bye. Uh, yes. <laughs> damn. <laughs> Fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one good thing Doctor Meltzer ever did for us. Yeah, oh. Melissa is running and um. She, uh, I actually like what the, um, what the, how the Buffy wiki, uh, has this at, how it phrases this as frantic. Melissa runs outside only to be caught and held before she can reach the street. Her panic subsides a little when she discovers, uh, herself an angel's concert embrace and she begins to sob in reaction. So yeah, like even with, even knowing that it's angel there, she's still fr- afraid and that's that's what this kind of that's what this kind of unwanted attention will do, man. Um, the police don't have any evidence to um, back up anything that uh, Melissa's saying, so Angel decides that um, he's gonna let Melissa stay in his um, lair, in his uh, <laughs> domicile. Yeah, <laughs> his his underground apartment. Which um, seems to be his go-to thing. It's like, hey, if you need a place to stay, like, just crash I mean, he's here. only got the two um, properties. The office and the lair. 
Doyle and Cordelia are basically trying to, uh, like, cover, like, tape up every single possible place that the, um, that any part of Meltzer could come through. Um, of course, that's when, uh, that's when they get a call, um, asking for Mr. Jensen, because that is the, uh, that is the fake name that Angel gave to Meltzer. And I find it really funny that this is just really hard for Cordelia <laughs> to grasp. Like, Cordelia, just go along with it. I mean, she's, like, trying to give him pointers. Like, well, that, that doesn't really sound like a business name. Like, answer it. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> speaking of Cordelia answering the phone, uh, I do want to... We did skip over it earlier. Um when she talks to Melissa on the phone for the first time, she does drop the uh, uh, the proto version of what will be uh, Angel Investigations' kind of official catchphrase. She says, "We help the hopeless," um, and uh, that's that's not what it's going to stay, but it is uh, the the first version <laughs> of it. I've already kind of made reference to it anyway, so in this episode. Um, but yeah, uh, Meltzer's telling Mr. Jensen to bring um, $100,000, like, leave the country and do his wife's operation out of the country. Angel's like, yeah, I need to find some steel boxes so that I can just, like, keep keep these pieces of him, like, sealed away. Um, but yeah, Meltzer, Meltzer, like, immediately thinks, like, oh, yeah, well... You thought you could take her from me and then shoots him with a dart <laughs> with this like paralytic drug that's supposed to like stop your heart. And we know that that's not going to we know that's not going to kill Angel. But Meltzer doesn't know. That. I do. I love that. Let that line of eventually your heart will stop beating. And I was like, ha, that's funny. Um, <laughs> also, how does that work? Like, I, it still affects Angel in some way. It's th- this is my I'm definitely thinking too much about this, but like those sorts of things, they get into your like they get into the point of it is it gets into your bloodstream, right? And it the yeah. bloodstream like pushes it throughout the body, but Angel's heart doesn't beat, so it can't do that. I know I'm I'm thinking way too hard about this. I just need to accept that he got poisoned by this dart and he was able to recover quickly. But well, I mean, there's got to be some kind of blood flow. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of blood flow going on because, I mean... Oh, because of boners? They do, like... Well, that was going to be my second point. <laughs> but way, way, to, way to put the dong before the horse. Uh, every time. Um, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I was gonna say that when uh, vampires have stained some wounds, they um, that's true. They bleed. Um, so yeah, I think they're. And this takes me back to like I keep bringing it up like in Vampire Diaries, um, Stephanie, a healthy supply of blood, then your body functions more or less um, in a normal way, um, just with uh, you know with vampire superpowers and everything. But um, I mean, in, it hasn't been as specific in Buffy, but we know that vampires can have sex. And um, but we also know that vampires can't taste. So, do vampires poop? I mean, they don't. They don't really eat. I mean, except for the blood. It's true. Listeners, what do you? I think? mean, do you think that everybody <laughs> poops? <laughs>
Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so Meltzer, Meltzer's basically like, yep, yeah, I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go kill her. I'm gonna go kill Melissa because she doesn't wanna, she doesn't wanna be with me, so we'll, like, be together forever or some shit like that. I, I don't remember. It's, it's standard villain guy it's stuff. Crap. Um, so I'm gonna read this verbatim because it is a, just a beautiful sentence in the Buffy wiki. Meanwhile, Cordelia and Doyle look after the sleeping Melissa, their traumatized client finally able to relax thanks to, thanks to Doyle's special mixture of whiskey and tea. It is an, it is an accurate yep. description of what has happened. And unfortunately, duct tape might be able to save Mark Watney on Mars, but it does not save the Angel investigation scene from an encounter with uh, Meltzer. As his um, as he has his hand sneaking in there, he's got his eye kind of like looking at them, and I mean, Doyle and Cordy try, but it's there's just parts of this guy yep. everywhere. There, there, you know, Doyle and Cordelia can only be in two places at once. This guy can be in like five. After he takes care of Cordy, after he takes care of Cordy and Doyle, he then is like. Oh yeah, you're gonna leave me for like this vacuous LA pretty boy, and uh, see everybody thinks that Angel's mm-hmm. good looking, um, but uh, yeah, but then then Melissa like actually just kind of confronts him. She gets that power mm-hmm. back that um, she gets angry and um, she fights back, just like Kate was saying. And um, yeah, she's not going to it's not going to help you because you were just going to be alone and sad. Um, yeah, and he, like, just, that kind of, like, makes him just, like, bleh. <laughs> um, he, yeah, he starts kind of losing yep. control. And, uh, he's, like, yeah, and she said something about Angel. I can't remember what, but that leads him into, like, oh, well, you know what? I killed him. And, and, of course, Angel's, like, no, you didn't. <laughs> then something happens that got a, uh, a, um, a very loud reaction from me Meltzer <laughs> spits his teeth at angel and like bites him on the arm and i like i like yelped it, it was so like i forgot that that happened it was so unexpected it happened so fast i was like oh my god what the fuck random thing like you could have thrown any part of your body and it's just like ah the teeth <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it's so funny and <laughs> and again this like is kind of the silliness of the of the episode um but yeah like angel like basically just like basically tears this guy apart knocks his head off literally um, knocks his head off yeah. and melissa's like okay <laughs> so and so ends richard Meltzer. we are Robert Meltzer. We um we later find out that uh, Angel has actually put like he's divided Meltzer's parts into twelve separate steel boxes in concrete hmm. at at LA's newest subway stop. <laughs> Who is this? The judge? Ah, uh, references. <laughs> so uh, this is interesting. Um, you know. This is the first time uh, we've seen Heroic Angel um, deliberately kill a a human. 
Um, you know, we assume that this will kill him. I. It seems seems unlikely that he would survive this. Well, he he does mention he does mention like without without being connected and like oxygen and blood flow, then those parts will wither away. So yeah, um, I it's I think that's just. Uh, interesting to see that Angel, you know, this is a line that Buffy's not necessarily willing to cross, um, but Angel feels a little more comfortable crossing this line if he feels it's necessary. And I, I, I agree with Angel. I do think in this particular case, I mean, what else are they going to do to to stop this guy? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Melissa shows up. She wants to thank everybody. And uh, just like her um, her boss earlier in the episode, um, she gives yeah. them a house plant, which I think it's is adorable. <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, it's her move. Um, and Cordelia's like trying to be like, uh, uh, and and Angel's like, oh, there's a uh, there's a bill, and she's like. And Bill. Bill's like, who's Bill? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I felt as awkward as Angel did, just like, just at how, like, you could tell it's like, there's a bill for my services, and she's like, oh, of course, and gives him a check, and, yep, which Cordy immediately takes, so, oh, man. I do think Melissa is trolling Angel a little bit there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because the check is written out already prepared and she, you know uh I, I i don't think she ever had any intention of leaving uh without um without giving him that check but clearly had picked up on this uncomfortableness between cordelia and angel about the check so this is just my head canon but i think she was like i'm gonna have a little fun while i'm here and uh, why not um but i love that i love she gives him the check she's like and he says, like, I didn't do it for the money. And she's like, uh, I know, but you still earned it. So here it is. Um, and it's, uh, it's really it's really nice to see. Um, I love Melissa. God damn it. Yo, I no, love her. She she's is, great. In, she is such a good character. Um, and unfortunately, uh, at the end of the episode, um, she does say, like, oh, I hope I never see you again. And he says, likewise, but I mean, obviously she says that, like, she, she hopes that she's not in the da- danger to, uh... And, and, you know, that ties back into, um, she has no obligation to him. You know, he, he did the job, she paid him. Yeah. Um, she's grateful, they're friendly with one another, but, you know, this was, this, th- that's where this relationship ends. And that's okay. Like, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it really does kind of, like, um... In a way, it makes this episode almost make Angel seem like a procedural. And um, like one of those procedurals you would see mm-hmm. on CBS or even like Law & Order on NBC. But it, um, hmm. and I think it does that to the credit of the show because we want to get that detective vibe. And we know that other stuff coming up um, that mm. like we know that there's going to be like ongoing storylines and all of that. But I, I like the... I like the idea that this gives, like, okay, they are detectives. They did a really good job being detectives, and in the end, they got paid for it. And, yeah, it's it's very satisfying. I, you know, it's funny. I, I came out of watching the episode with a higher opinion than I uh, 
than I expected. And uh, I even kind of this discussion kind of I was like, wow, I'm I'm appreciating this episode more. Um, yeah, no, I still it's, don't it's, love it, but no, no, it's 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 in no way like one of the best episodes of Angel, but it is better than I think we give it credit for. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think it's a good episode of Angel that could be better if you know the premise wasn't so ridiculous yeah yeah so i guess uh Uh, guys that is i fall to pieces and um uh harrison if you don't have any trivia i'm I'm sure you do but uh, um i i already mentioned uh um uh andy umberger um the um i am curious did you recognize the um exterior of the uh of the apartment building that um, that's the hotel isn't it it's the hyperion uh, yeah. which is a set we will see later in the series um, no no i was watching like, it i was like yeah there was one that there was familiar. one brief sh- there's one brief shot of a hall with a staircase in it and i'm like wait a minute i think uh, <laughs> i think i know that um also i just it's funny this episode is called i fall to pieces for pretty obvious reasons um, which is, as we made reference to a Patsy Cline song, um, the Patsy Cline song is not heard in this episode, but listeners may remember that it was heard, uh, in the Buffy season one finale, Prophecy Girl, when Xander was listening to it sadly. <laughs> uh, if, if you hang on for, uh, for a while, um, on the remark that, uh, Xander listens to country music when he's sad. <laughs> <laughs> yep um also uh just patsy klein in general is great yep. uh and i fall to pieces in particular i think is a really beautiful song i really like it um yeah that's all i've got for uh, i fall to pieces um any any other final thoughts for me jason uh just that um like i said i i think that this could have been a really bad episode of angel um but it turned out a really decent episode of Angel that's just held back by by its story. But the direction, the performances mm-hmm. by like main cast and supporting cast are really good. And so I will give this um I, I will give this the very obvious rating of three and a half detached hands. Um and and I will make <laughs> this note saying, I wish every episode about Angel Investigations getting money for their work was as good as this one. <laughs> um, li- uh, <laughs> listeners who listen to our Hot Takes episode will know exactly what Jason's <laughs> referring to. Um, yeah, I uh, I think, you know, it's funny. I came in, like, totally prepared. Like, this was going to be a two, two and a half star episode. And uh, I'm feeling... Uh, uh, I'm gonna give it three uh, pots of terrible there coffee out of five. Um, I also just we one of the things I love about this episode too, um, and I feel like I've said this every episode so far is just um, seeing the continued camaraderie amongst uh, Angel Investigations, our main trio. Um, the chemistry between these three actors is just outstanding. It is. I mean, they've only um, been together for for four episodes. And they already mm-hmm. feel like, yeah, this is our team. I mean, yeah. 
And you can easily, it's, what I love too is that you can, it's so easy to picture any combination of these three people or all three of them together and all of those work. Like sometimes there are shows, you know, like Phoebe and Chandler don't have a lot of stories together. Um, but um, it's always good when you can easily split your ensemble up into any variation and yeah. those variations work. Agreed. So... That's all I have to say. Oh, I have more to say, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We will be back next week. Oh my god. So excited. Oh, no. oh, oh no. yes. It is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Season 4, Episode 5. It is the one you've been waiting for. It's beer. I'm bad. going to need several um, beers as we talk about this episode. <laughs> um, we will hopefully um, have a, a a fun guest for that episode. Um, yeah, I am. This is one I've been looking forward to since season one, episode uh, one. Like, oh boy, <laughs> dready. We are going to have a fucking dreading blast. watching that episode. I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamij357, <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at just plain old yamij. I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman, and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. Uh, you can also find my blog horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com, where I will talk about a different horror movie every week. Uh, this week, I am talking about uh, the movie considered by many to be the first slasher, Peeping Tom. Ooh. How appropriate for this uh, for this episode. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, some unintentional synergy. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. The and is spelled out in both of those instances. Uh, also, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And each week, we like to give a shout-out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting the National Center for Victims of Crimes Stalking Resource Center. The mission of the Stalking Resource Center is to enhance the ability of professionals, organizations, and systems to effectively respond to stalking. Visit www victimsofcrime.org slash stalking dash resource dash center for more information. And as always, go slay and be gay. Goodbye. So long. I fall to pieces each time I forget the word.